everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. We are back with Miss Catherine Dang to discuss internal versus external government and another very common question of, if I have so much power, why do I feel so weak? I know I've even asked this question myself. Virginia, do you have a quote for today? While Catherine and I were discussing this series, we just got to talking about the fact that life is energy. And when we're overwhelmed, we're in fact losing energy, which means we are drained of life. It's a form of disintegration. And naturally, that would weaken us. Life is a fundamental law of nature. Everything that sustains life is not optional. It's essential. And we don't always make that connection with choices and decisions and whatnot. What we're going to reference in this segment are things that are foundational to life. And we're going to discuss them in the context of self-preservation, things that promote our life. Because if we're going to talk about power, and if I have power, why am I feeling weak? We need to understand the things that give us the energy that sustain our life. And so I've asked Catherine to discuss this concept of self-preservation and the things that promote life. We are weakened when exhausted by the frustrations of not being able to satisfy our deepest hungers. Let's face it. Yeah. When we have concepts, ideas, hope, dreams, passions, and things that we just know we were made for, and somehow we can't access the resources and we don't have the capacity to fulfill those things, it's because something is not nourishing us. Something is draining our life force, our energy. The things that we think are fueling us are not. They're destructive. In in an attempt to satisfy these hungers, we inadvertently use things that drain us, and we don't understand them. And we've talked about the significance where we are all about reasoning, the significance and finding significance in reasoning so we can unwrap these things that cause us confusion, chaos, and disease quickly without having to go see a therapist or a doctor because we're not well or we're not sleeping. I find that what drains us is that our methods are generally unlawful. And we talked about that in the last segments. There are things that ultimately violate our conscience or violate the highest calling of our conscience or violate us in ways that we know what we're doing is not productive, but we keep doing them. Well, these things drain us of a life force. They're destructive and they drain us fundamentally of energy, which is draining us of life. And that's why we're not feeling well. That's why we're in states of dis-ease. And I was wondering if you could please elaborate on these. I know they're big themes, but I've heard you speak in powerful ways to this. This idea of being overwhelmed and the battle that exhausts us, the conflict that we continue to live with within ourselves. There's no peace. And we have emotional exhaustion. We have spiritual draining of uh, life. Uh, The will to live is challenged. Again, we're dealing with a soul that is not well, that's not nourished, that relies upon the body to carry it or to nourish it with material, uh, physical activity. But this introspection, self-examination, looking into our own minds, our own affections, and our own violations of what is lawful or what promotes our own life 
because our body and our life are so embodied, are our properties that belong to us. And so it's maintenance. They are created in us for us to enjoy and to nourish and feed and strengthen it. Can I ask you a question? Sure. In your estimation or in your observation, what is the fundamental conflict that people have that drains them of their life force? Good question. Well, my observation, having dealt with families of all kinds for over 50 years, families and individuals, single, married, grandparents, is that they want it both ways. They want to have liberty, but they also want their license. They want lawful and unlawful to kind of live together, Mm. and one cancels the other out. What do you mean by that, lawful and unlawful? They want it both ways, meaning they, for instance, let me give an example. We have an 18-year-old living with his parents. He wants to be able to go and come as he pleases, eat when he wants, go to the refrigerator, watch television, Mm -hmm. sleep as late as he wants. He wants his independence, but he can't live and support himself yet. It's not his house. It's not his food. He has no property but maybe the clothes on his back or shoes that he can buy for himself. Mm -hmm. can go to a movie, but he cannot rent an apartment, get a job, and support himself. So he wants his liberty, but really license to do what he wants to do, and yet he wants to be free from the control or the responsibility of at home mm-hmm. to his parents, yeah. right? It's their house. He treats it as if it is his. Mm-hmm. So they want it both ways. They want their independence and dependence at the same time. I do what I want and you just cover me. Yeah. And it's, it's kind, not real. It's, it's kind it's, of like the easy way out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's not realistic. No, it's, well, not, re- it's not realistic. Go a little bit further. You can be in your twenties and thirties, forties, fifties, whatever. And you want lawful and unlawful together. Well, I think it explains what's happening with the generation in the workforce because they're being conditioned in the home to have trained. They're being trained in an unlawful way in the home and it does not play out well in the workforce. And there's a paralysis, there's a conflict, there's almost... Right, it's like you want tyranny and you want freedom. You can't have it both ways. Do you think that's Mm -hmm. the reason why there's still like... I mean, I understand too... Living in Southern California alone is very difficult financially to provide for yourself. You can't do it on minimum wage if you're going to have your own house and things. But do you think that that really plays into these late 20, 30, 40-year-olds still living with their parents? Well, it's a matter of training. It starts at birth. It doesn't start at 20. Well, yeah. yeah. So if you give them the, the capacity to own themselves, to be independent from age two forward, if you will, Mm -hmm. when they can talk and walk, Mm -hmm. then they can go anywhere and be anything because they have the qualities and the exercise of habits of will to work or to support themselves without dependency. Right. The things that drain us is when we do not understand these fundamental principles of individual self-government. Liberty doesn't come from fighting for it. It grows into you. You grow liberty from the inside out. And it's a birthright. It's woven into... Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Right. We have everything in us to enable us if we would, in a sense, be willing to learn how to be free. Yeah. How it's a fundamental hunger, isn't it, for liberty? All of us. Well, you, that's the goal of rest, is freedom. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. But internal as well as external. And you, you can't experience that kind of level of freedom if you do not understand the principles of individual self-government, which help you govern, secure, uh, right. manage so, your liberty. Self-government is the basis for liberty or for mm-hmm. freedom. So going back to this idea of why are we so tired or why are we drained, exhausted, because we want to hold both of them together and they don't fit together and we're living split lives in a sense trying to maintain both and they're at war with each other inside ourselves so it's a warfare i think of how women long to be cherished and men long to be respected yeah address that conflict in the context of things that drain the life out of relationships well, there's no warfare between the two, male and female. I like to see that the feminine and masculine in this world really balance each other, governmentally speaking, and not to violate each other's qualities and contributions to home, church, good business. To the whole. Mm-hmm. To the whole world. Mm-hmm. But it's competitive. And yes, they're not identical but they are mutually respectable. Well, well, we don't understand what's lawful and unlawful, obviously, within our own constituents. It's difficult to bring those principles to bear in a relationship. But when you have a marriage, obviously, I deal with a lot of couples, a lot of marriages. The lawful and then the, the unlawful way, I think, that we engage into that union creates a lot of unnecessary confusion and chaos and disease because fundamentally a woman longs to be cherished and a man man hungers to be respected Mm -hmm. with cherishing someone that obviously implies respect and when we respect a man right you cherish them and we honor Honor him they're not exclusive but i like what you said i i just asked you in your observation what's the fundamental conflict within us that makes us our own worst enemy and it's holding the lawful and unlawful together and that's what i was trying to get to i I wanted to mention it by way of example in the context of marriage because those are very tangible examples where we see that we sabotage ourselves but if i have so much power why do i feel so weak i think we do feel weakened in relationships when we try to hold the lawful and the unlawful together yeah. as if they're synonymous right or they can be married they can yeah, be married yeah be and married. you made you brought an ex uh, an excellent i think example to bear in what's happening in homes with our teenagers i mean they have more wealth they have more expensive toys. They have more expensive things. I mean, the Christmas list of kids today is just shocking. I remember yeah. getting slippers, pajamas, a brand new toothbrush, maybe a cute pair of shoes. And I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. And kids are getting four and five and six and $700 gifts on yeah. average. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's giving them a false sense of it's so irrelevant. much. It's not reasonable because it's not balanced. It's not appropriate. And it's interesting because it does weaken them. It keeps them from being self-sufficient. It does. And it's not empowering. It's not life-giving. Right. We talk about the principle of life-giving forces. This is not a life-giving thing. But if we taught what rest teaches, we're dealing with effects, the consequences of untaught. Untaught principles. Untaught principles. If you began when they were early in their infancy, 
and onward, they'd be prepared for the world, and wealth would not be a problem. And I will say that the vacuum is so great today, and the hole in the souls of this generation is so great that they're hungry for this. So just because it hasn't been given to them doesn't mean they won't receive it quickly Absolutely. and pass it on with great conviction well, in some to sense, their kids. This generation who is full of wealth relatively have learned that's nothing there. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, they've been brought up in a mansion, but they realize coming out is empty. It was hollow. It's emptiness. Mm-hmm. There's your shallow water. Yeah. And so they're prepared for deeper understanding of life. Mm-hmm. Life mm-hmm. isn't consistent motorcycles and swimming pools, etc. Yes, know? because liberty by definition has to has to have movement. It has yeah. to swim. It has to gain traction. It, it, it's meant to go explore, right? Yeah. And when there is shallow waters, there's no room for movement. So although externally everything looks good, internally they're dying. Yeah, you're the, a life force is a life force is drained. Yeah, neglecting fueling the inner man, and they have everything external, but they have nothing nursing and nourishing the heart, the mind, and the spirit. Which is what rest is all about, yeah. and displacing the confusion is learn is teaching people how to think along these universal principles of individual self-government that are self-evident and speak to our natural affections. I know Natalie's chomping at the bit to say something. I do. Because what this makes me think about is, you know, do you remember being a toddler and you wanted to jump into the deep end of the pool so badly, but your parents (laughs) kept you in the shallow end? To me, that that reminds me so much of this, this concept of liberty is that like when we're not taught that at a young age, we grow up constantly wanting to jump in that deeper end of the pool but we literally don't know how and i think something that's missed a lot is that it's not just the responsibility of the parents to teach this concept of liberty but it's also the child's to have that realization that i have not learned this so i need to actually go out and learn it i honestly think that that finding that drive or even that realization can be extremely difficult for a lot of people and natalie you're a fruit of this you're a product of this because when you heard rest and you heard, and it can be, it can feel overwhelming and a bit complex, but when you began to wrap your mind around it mm-hmm. instantly, you knew, I'm hungry for this. I'm thirsty for this. Yeah. And that is the fruit of the explosive success we have experienced. Don't you think, Natalie? I do. And honestly, there's actually a proverb that I want to say really quick that goes along with this perfectly. Um, and it's so simple. It, it's Proverbs thirteen twelve, and it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I think that that and is liberty so is the longing of the soul. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So good. It's universal. Great, great. It's universal. It's universal. Yes. And we, by God's grace, have the greatest liberty anyone has ever had in the world, in history. Yeah. I love it. And I want to make this real practical for a second. And Catherine, you speak about that so well. And we're going to dedicate specific segments for an entire month on these principles and breaking this down from the genesis of this from beginning to end in ways that can be transformational in the Mm -hmm. lives of people. I want to just get real practical here. Food, the food we eat, for example, the diet we take. There's a lot of information on this now. It's very practical. Some food, raw foods, it's living, obviously, as life-giving, synthetic things are not. Mm-hmm. One's lawful, one's unlawful. We can see what they're consuming by how they look. Right. Relationships. 
we know when we're in a toxic relationship that's not healthy. That is diminishing our life force. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Thousand percent. And we know relationships that bring life to us. And we have got to be intentional. And we all know junk food is more fun <laughs> and it's easier to consume. More difficult to digest, but easy to consume. <laughs> yes. There's a mouthful. Yes. So if you're in a toxic relationship and it's easy to consume, we're telling you right now, it's not going down well and you're not digesting it well and it is poison. diminishing. It's, it's poison. poison and it's diminishing your life and force. And that's where so. the confusion really there. comes from in those relationships. Yes. And jobs too, right? Jobs. We should be involved in work that that makes us come to life. That gives us joy. That gives us that joy. That gives us hope. I love that. The life of the soul is joy. Can I give something on that too? A lot of people get asked this question of what do you want to do? And you're asked that question from when you're seven years old on, right? Especially in high school, when you're figuring out who you you are, you know, Um, and all these things. And you get to high school and you're like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I, I don't really know. I don't even know who I am. Exactly. And I think that the, a better question to ask, and even now, even as an adult, better question to ask is how do you want to live? I think that's very different because I think it actually addresses the heart. And also it helps you look at the the outcome at the end of like how you want to live, where where do you want to be in life? And then you can work backwards from that result to actually get there to how you want to live. That or how about this? What drives you? Yeah. What are the hungers? What are the things that compels you? When do you feel like you're soaring what yeah. makes you happy mm-hmm. or what are where's your talent and where's your talent what do you do well in yeah because those are gifts that you've been given that so yeah to be used absolutely be productive exactly i remember i was seven years old eight years old nine years old my uncle was a producer and i grew up around academics and the arts mm-hmm. and my grandmother was a woman of deep faith But I'll never forget when I picked up my uncle's camera, I knew I saw the world different through a lens. Mm -hmm. I am a lens person. And I'll never forget asking my dad for a 35 millimeter camera when I was nine years old. And he patted me on the head and he said, oh, honey, it's too much for you. It's too much camera for you. You won't know what to do with it. And it wasn't until I was married at 22 and for our very first Christmas, Ray gave me a Canon A1 Wow. And the rest is history, History. (laughs) right? Yeah. It was the catalyst for rest was that camera. I saw things clearly through the lens of a camera. And it was Joey O'Connor, a really good friend of mine, who looked at my body of work and said, you know what you do? In stillness and simplicity, you capture the heart of things, of people. There's something intrinsic in your work that is divine. And it was the president of Hallmark, believe it or not, I never, to, I never wow. told you, you the never story, told me this. that saw my body of work at the New York trade show, at the Gifton Stationery trade show, who passed my booth and asked me what I did for a living. And I said, well, I'm, I'm a photographer. He said, you don't say. He says... Well, what did you do before you did photography? I said, nothing. I just pick up my camera. I'm a photographer. I didn't want to tell my whole story. Yeah. And he said, no, what's your formal education in? Mm -hmm. What's your formal training in? And I said, clinical psychology. 
And I'll never forget, he crossed his arms and he said, I thought so. <laughs> he said, your pictures are living. They make me feel something profound. Yeah. And he said, don't lose sight of that. And of course, again, the rest is history. He was the president of Hallmark. That's amazing. And I signed incredible licensing agreements for my photographer from that point forward. But the thread if always was the deepest hunger of my soul mm -hmm. was that in stillness and simplicity, I was able to see something intrinsic beyond what the eye could see and weave it together mm -hmm. in the mind, the heart, the soul, not just of people, but of conversations of significant consequence, both in the academic political mm -hmm. and healing spheres of influence. And right. that's in fact where my life would take me. So it's really interesting. This thing of I helping people identify the hunger that compels them mm -hmm. and to identify the things that hinder that from having its full expression is, uh, is at the core of rest. Yeah. It's why we do what we do. Well, do you have any history of rest? Yes, I can see it's a history of, of rest. That's how rest came about. It yeah. is. Yeah. And you know, someone else that I think is in the middle of all of this right now is actually Jane. She's Jane's in the middle, in the middle of, of all this. of this. In Jane that whole journey. is in the middle of this. Yes. And for those of you that do not know. Yeah, she is on America's Got Talent right now. Yes, she is. <laughs> it's, cra it's crazy. It's amazing. And her story is on the How We Love segment. Yes, it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's amazing. But yes, and by the way, it's not just my story and her story. I love what Catherine said. It's all of our story. It's our individual story. And Natalie, I'm sitting here looking at you, and I always want to say, I just want to shrink you and put you in my pocket and have you with me all the time because <laughs> you're just so cute. But I do. I, I love Natalie. And every time we get together, we've had our most productive meetings in a car driving every time we keep saying we <laughs> got to get out of the office right because amazing things happen when we're at the office but i just think of your gifting mm. your background and where you're at and how god brought you into our life and now as a result of your gifts and your talents thousands and thousands of people are able to hear what we're about and what we do and it's your beautiful heart your tender heart your convictions your yeah, your hunger. You, you've listened to these hungers of your soul, and you've not been afraid to pursue them. Oh yeah, and it's been definitely intimidating because there's been a lot of growth in my capacity as time has gone on since last year. You know, including taking on this podcast, but it's been very fulfilling and rewarding in that, and just even the growth, just in in myself as it is, and and that growing of that capacity. I know that there's a lot more faith there that I'm able to take on a lot more than I think. So even just having like that blind faith and that blind courage moving forward, knowing that I'm going to continue growing, it, it's been incredible. I'm very blessed to be here with you well, guys. I love you. We can't imagine you not being here. Thank you, Catherine. What you shared was so profoundly important holding on to what's lawful and unlawful, right? And trying to live with those two things as if... As if they they not letting go of either. You have, a, you have two masters, mm -hmm. and you can't serve two masters, and you have to choose life or death, life or destruction. Reasoning is just simply one thing, knowing the difference between what is good and what is evil. Good is what gives life. 
evil is what destroys life. That's simple. That's simple. Everybody, that's a great takeaway. That's our action step. Mm-hmm. Make decisions that will promote and sustain your life. If confused, consult your conscience. You intuitively, as Catherine says, know the difference between what is good and what is evil. Mm-hmm. And I think also recognizing the three lies that we've talked about before. Less of the eyes, less of the flesh, and pride of life. That's I want, imp- I need, I deserve, right? Yes. That's your impulse. Yes, that that's is your right. impulse. Well, and that's what creates the confusion. And the toxic. That's right. And hit the big pause button, right? Yeah. When you say I, I, and I. I want, I need, I deserve. I deserve. That's the warning sign. Yeah. Pause. <laughs> so good. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks, Natalie. That was fun talking with you about this in this segment. Next segment, I think we should all have a discussion about this next topic too after you share principles of conscience. Absolutely. The tangible takeaway, the book that we would like you to purchase is Soul Hunger, and you can get it on Amazon, and The Hunger Test, right, Natalie? Mm -hmm. And you can tell them how they can access that. All right, yes. For that hunger test, you can actually take that at hungertest.com, and that is the actual test that's connected to the book, Soul Hunger. And to learn more about Catherine Dang and the Philomath Foundation, please go to philomathfoundation.com. That's P-H-I-L-O, mathfoundation.com. For updates about rest events and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to donate to our nonprofit, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate. Thank you so much. And we'll be with you again soon.